All right, well, I'm going to launch our new series. Uh, we've simply called it On Earth As It Is In Heaven, but it's basically a few weeks um, exploring concepts in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to start off just with this statement that kind of frames our whole series, and then I'll talk a little bit about where we're going um, in the future. But for us, as, as vineyard people, as, as people who are part of a movement of churches that spans across the globe, um, and as Christians who want to be connected to the historic church, um, our view is that the kingdom of God is our theological center. It informs our worldview and it empowers our witness for Christ. Now, that might be a lot of kind of churchy language that we need to unpack, but I just want to start there. And, and for Vineyard, this idea that we're going to explore of the kingdom of God has, has always been sort of a centering point. In other words, when I say that it informs our worldview, it's like a lens that we look at the world through. So I'm not going to teach. There's a whole teaching on all the different worldviews, and I actually find that stuff fascinating, but I don't, I'm not, I don't have time for that this morning. But for our purposes today, just to think that understanding that theology, and theology simply means uh, what we think about God or the study of God or, or the nature of God. Um, you know, we, we think of... Um, Oh, what's the guy? Oh, I have it right here. James Bryan Smith. If you're familiar, we did a series uh, uh, several years ago. I say we. I wasn't here then, but I know that it happened. Called The Good and Beautiful God. Um, I think because we also did it in North Carolina, maybe around the same time. But he has this quote. The most important thing about a person is what they think of God. Or, or you could phrase it this way. What enters your mind when you think of God is one of the most important things. What is your, your understanding of the fundamental nature of God, who he is, what he's about, what he's like? Well, that's one way of describing what we mean when we're talking about the kingdom of God being our theological center. Is that everything that we could talk about in the context of church and being believers, we want to see it through the lens of God's kingdom. That's sort of the lens that we want to filter things through, and, and even the way that we look at God. Jesus, when he was here on the earth, this was actually one of his primary messages, was announcing, proclaiming, and demonstrating the kingdom of God. So it would behoove us to have an understanding of, of what that means. Now, before we go too far, I just wanted to throw this in because, again, when we start talking about theology, you know, that might not be real engaging for everybody at first. Uh, I love peanuts, so if you want to throw that, that cartoon up, and I'll read it because I don't know if you can read it clearly on the screen, but Charlie Brown says, I hear you're writing a book on theology. I hope you have a good title. Snoopy says, I have the perfect title. Has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? <laughs> well, that's one way you could summarize theology because uh, across the span of, of not just our country, but our world and all of historical Christianity, like there is a wide variety of theological positions and statements and schools of thought and ideology. Um, and, and that's probably right. We all probably have some piece that we don't have quite right. And I think that's, that's okay. But the other way I like to look at it, because you can think that, and say, well, then you know, it doesn't really matter. Let's just love God and, and go on and why. Well, the thing of it is, if we're going to have theology, it's probably better to have good theology than have bad theology, right? 
So that's the context in which we're going to look today. And um, I just want to kind of set up the series, and then we're going to look at today's topic. So this series, as I said, is going to center around understanding the kingdom of God. And what we're going to do this week is just sort of do a primer, talk about what it means for the kingdom to come. Then next week, we're going to talk about freedom in the kingdom, freedom from the judgment of sin, freedom from oppression. Um, It just so happens to fall that it's 4th of July, so there's another context for freedom, but we're not specifically talking about that. We're going to talk the following week about worship in the kingdom. What, what does worship look like? Uh, how is how's worship and kingdom theology like? Are those things, are they connected? Um, does one inform the other? We're going to look in future weeks at kids in the kingdom. We, we have this little saying that we love to say around here, there's no junior Holy Spirit. And so the same kingdom reality that's available to you and I as adults is available to our kids. And so we're going we're gonna to explore that. And, we're gonna, and that informs why we have a value for kids. And, and some other topics that we'll explore as we go. But I want to start today simply by talking about kingdom come. If we were to do some definitions real quick, um, we've said this before, the kingdom of God. Now, it, when you read the scriptures, you sometimes see it phrase kingdom of heaven. Those are basically interchangeable in most cases. But we would define the kingdom of God in the shortest form as the rule and reign of God. So it's not a physical territory, you know, like you would think in in geopolitical terms of a king and queen, you know, of England have rule over a certain geographical territory. Uh, In the kingdom of God, it is his rule and his reign, but where that is expressed is a spiritual reality. It's in the hearts and minds of men and women on the face of the earth, and it's in the circumstances, and, and, and we'll get into this. So I wanted to break this down a little bit further for us, though, because we've talked a lot about how it's the rule and reign. When we talked specifically first about the rule of God, and we did explore this a little bit a few weeks ago, we're talking about his will expressed or things set to right. So again, if we would sort of zoom out and, and look at, at all of Scripture as sort of one story arc, if you will, from, from Genesis to Revelation, it's a story of redemption. It's a, it's, and, and I almost hesitate to use the word story because like we're, we're in it. It's not story in the sense that it's, that it's fairy tale or fantasy. It, it is real. But if we think of it going all the way back into history, there was perfection in the garden that Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the evening with God. They had this, as we can picture it, a close, personal, intimate relationship. There was no barrier between them. There was, there was no separation. They had complete, open, uh, intimate, and free relationship. Well, we know that got messed up. I'm not going to go back and teach the whole story. But the kingdom of God being announced when Jesus came to the earth... And, and began his ministry, was announcing, I, I, I'm in a process of redeeming or setting right that which was set wrong. In other words, what was lost at the fall, Jesus has been about the business of setting right again. And so if we can think of his rule being established, it's his will. What is it that God wants to happen? Now, we know 
that what God wants to happen doesn't always happen, right? And so we're going to talk also about the reign of God, both in the future tense and how it's breaking into the now, as all things under his control. Now, I've told you before, we, we like to say in our Christian circles that God is in control, and, and he is fully capable. He is all-powerful. He is in control, and yet he's not a micromanager. He has delegated a level of authority to us, and unfortunately, us, meaning humanity, are the ones that, that messed stuff up, messed stuff up through the deception of the enemy. And so a level of authority that we were supposed to carry, because see, that's, that's what happened in the garden. God gave Adam and Eve some authority, some dominion over the created world. And the enemy came in and, and tried to steal that. And so God has been about this process, putting that back right. But if we can think about living under the reign of God, it has an effect um, on us. It has the benefit of our circumstances and our lives being made whole and set to right and living in that reality. Now, again, I'm not painting a picture that, you know, well, that's, that's happening tomorrow. But we believe that, that that is sort of the destination of the reign. So, so, again, if you can picture living under the reign of God would be to, to think in your mind to that future state when all things are set back to right, and we're trying to live towards that reality. You know, that, that, what, what do you mean live towards that reality? Well, just with an awareness and an understanding of this is what God's will fully expressed might look like. And we're living with an awareness of that possibility. We're leaning towards that. And we're asking God, could your kingdom come? Would you come, Holy Spirit? Like these are, these are what are behind many of the prayers that you hear us pray frequently. We're saying, God, we, we have an awareness that in your rule and reign, there are things that we're experiencing as wrong being set to right. And how can we move towards that reality? All right, I want to make a couple more statements, and then we're going to go to Scripture. For today, exploring this idea of the kingdom come, I want to simply make this statement. We can experience the reality of the kingdom of heaven here on earth and be empowered to extend that reality to others. That's sort of my thesis statement for today, if you would. We can experience the reality of the kingdom of heaven here on earth and be empowered to extend that reality to others. Now, before I unpack that, let's go uh, to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a familiar passage, but I'm going to actually, the on the screen is going to be in the message version, um, and then we're going to go back to the NLT in a moment. But this is what's commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. I just love the picture that this particular language paints. I'm going to start in verse 7. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting you what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. And with a God 
like this, loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, as below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. I might throw in John Wimber's phrase there, you can spend us however you want. We're like change in your pocket. You are ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Well, there's a lot we could unpack there. But I just want to focus for today on verse 10. And if we go back to the New Living Translation, a little more familiar language to most of us. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Simply put, this is our prayer. That may your kingdom, may the reality of all that you are and all that you intend for us come soon. So if you're in a place today where things in your life don't look like the kingdom of God because you're dealing with uh, a mental health issue or a sickness, disease, strained family relationships, uh, any number of things, financial stress, hardship, uh, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what my purpose is. Any number of those things, you can pray. Lord, may your kingdom come soon. And if you're in a place that feels particularly desperate, you might emphasize that soon. Like, I I don't like where I'm at right now. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, sometimes we don't want to pray this because if we don't have an understanding of what the will of God is, then we're not sure we really want that. And what I mean by that is sometimes we have an understanding. Let's take uh, healing as an example because I I think it illustrates this pretty clearly. It's really easy to, if you don't know better, to pray and ask the Lord. Now, let me back up. It's good to ask the Lord for things, right? Right? Now, we could do a whole series on prayer, and there's prayer of petition, asking God. There's prayer of command, you know, speaking to the thing in, in authority and telling it what to do. So, so it's not like out of bounds to ask God for things. But there's this little phrase that uh, so many of us easily slip into when it comes to healing. We pray, you know, well, Lord, would you, would you heal this if it be your will? And what we're saying is, and it doesn't come from a bad place in our hearts, but what we're saying is, I'm not sure if you want this, so I'm asking you for it, but I don't want to go against you. So so it's like, if it's your will, would you do this? Well, I I hate to bust your bubble, and I've, I've been there. I've prayed this many times. You can't pray in faith if you're not sure that it's God's will to do the thing you're asking for. And so often we do that, and maybe this is not what we consciously think, but it's like it also gives us an out. 
you know, well, if, if this person doesn't get healed when I pray for them, well, it, it must have not been God's will to heal them at this time. Maybe God's got more things to teach them. Maybe he wants to keep them humble. Or maybe they have hidden sin. They haven't. You know, there's a whole list of things we can come up with to try to figure out, well, why did this not change? Well, it must have not been God's will. Well, what happens is when we don't understand clearly that it is the will of God to heal, that like he's already made that decision. He, he's, it, I've used this illustration before, but it, it paints the picture so clear. If you go down and we have, you know, several of our local car dealers are right here on Pioneer Parkway. You go down, I don't know, because this is a fictitious example, we're going to go down to the, to the BMW dealer, you know, and, and, and get the latest model. And it's like you get it, you pay for it, you know, you take it home, you've got it a week or so, um, and you call up the salesman, well, uh, the car's great, there's nothing wrong with it, but I've decided I'm not going to buy it. Well, what, what do you mean? You, you, you've already bought it. No, I, I, I'm not going to buy this car. Well, the reality is once you've bought it, you've bought it. You, you, now, you can do whatever, you can sell it back. You, you can sell it to somebody else. You can, like, you can do whatever you want with it, but you've already made the purchase. You can't undo the purchase. Like, so it belongs to you. You've already made that decision. Well, this is the way that I think uh, this is illustrated in the kingdom of God. God. God doesn't look at our circumstances of needing healing and say, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that yet. Now, how do we reconcile that with the fact that it doesn't happen sometimes, that we still live with afflictions? Well, we have to understand what we're talking about today, that the reality of the, that there's another kingdom. There, there's two kingdoms at play here. And so we can pray with confidence, knowing it is God's will to set things to right. Think of healing in, in those terms. It's setting things to right. And again, that, that can be a physical ailment can be a, a mental a disturbance or any number of different things, but it is God's will to set that to right. But we also have a kingdom of darkness pushing against us, trying to manipulate, trying to deceive, trying to stop, which is a futile effort on their part. But, but in this moment where we live in the tension between the two, this is what happens. My point is, when we pray, may your will be done on earth, we don't need to ask. Well, Lord, do this if it's your will. It, it's his will. He's already bought the car. He's already decided. He has said it, it's setting all things right. And so if the thing that you're afflicted with doesn't exist in the perfect reality of heaven, then it's his will to see it changed. Now, we also don't uh, want to assign blame. You know, so if you're praying for someone and they don't get healed, well, we, we don't, we don't want to point the blame at that person either. It's the kingdom of darkness. It's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. My point is, when we ask your kingdom come, may your will be done, we can only pray that in faith if we understand what his will is. If we believe in faith that he intends to set things to right. And as I said in my, in my statement, that we can experience it now. We're not going to base our theology on our experience solely saying, well, I don't always see healing, so that must not be what God says. No, uh, again, to go back to our roots, when uh, John Wimber 
was uh, pastoring one of the early vineyard churches, and they began, and I think, I mean, he, I, I don't know the exact, but he, like, taught on basically nothing but healing for, I think, almost three years. And they, they're praying for people, you know, and it's like when they started, the, the, the prayer team members were getting sick from the catching the stuff from the people they were praying for. There wasn't a lot of healing happening. And it would have been an opportunity to, for John to say, well, God, you know, our experience doesn't line up, so we're going to adjust our theology to match our experience. In other words, I don't see it happening, so it must not be what you're doing. And, and that's a, Now, again, we might not say it that way out loud, but that's what we often do. The reality is we must always, there is a place for experience, but we must always align our theology with what God says is true, whether we've experienced it yet or not. And so if God says, I've come to set things right, I've come to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the good news to the poor, to do all of those things, then we have to believe that that's what's true, even if I'm not experiencing it. His will is to set all things to right. Oops, wrong page. One of the ways that we can begin, and I'm just giving you just a, a little preview because I want, I want to sort of plant this seed in your heart. One of the ways, if, if this whole idea of, of, of grasping the idea of the kingdom of God is is difficult or, or seems far off. One of the best ways to begin that journey of, of okay, God, you know, what, what, what is this all about? How, how can I experience this stuff that they're talking about? How can I enter the kingdom of God? How can I see it expressed? How can I participate in healing either for myself or, or for others? And, and I don't know, maybe you're not asking it, but, but then and how can I extend that to others? Well, you, you do need to experience it because you can't give away something you don't have. You, you, can't, you can't extend something that, that you're not participating with. And so what we do when we gather here on Sundays is supposed to just be like a taste, right? Like we as believers, as Christians, as those who are of Christ, like we're supposed to bear his name, be his people, we can actually live in this reality 24-7. Now, we're going to talk, like I said, in a few weeks about, about worship. And, and we're going to talk some about what that looks like in the context of, of any gathering and, and in our community. But don't ever fall into the trap of thinking, I have to come to church to meet with God. Well, I need to get in the atmosphere in order to experience the kingdom. Now, there is a unique atmosphere that is created when the people of God come together. In one place, and when we lift hearts together, and when and when we, as iron sharpens iron, we encourage each other, and we discern God's voice. Like there, there's immense value in that. It's very important. But let's not reduce our experience or our relationship with God to what happens when we come to this room on a Sunday. If you don't feel like you have an experience of the kingdom of God in your alone time, begin to ask him. Pray this prayer. Jesus, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And personalize it. May your will be done in my life today 
the same as it would be if I were living with you in the perfect reality of heaven. May the things I encounter today be affected by the reality of your kingdom. May the relationships that I have today be affected by your kingdom. May your spirit lead me into truth and into situations where I can extend the reality of your presence and your kingdom. And I just don't want you to underestimate the reality of just asking for it and expect him to do it because he doesn't have any doubt when he looks at you about wanting to do that for you, to you, and through you. The kingdom of God, and again, it's available to everybody all the way down to the, you know, the kids went back to their room, but it's like from, from the littlest little to, to, you know, to the eldest among us, he's, this is available to everyone. It's also not restricted by past mistakes, by failures, by who we think we are. And this is one of the hardest areas for most of us. We think about the way our life has gone or how we view ourselves as a person. And we, well, that's just who I am. You know, I'm a person that's been, you know, in trouble more than I've not been. Or, or I'm a person that's had difficulty telling the truth for whatever reason. I'm a person that, you know, it's not really needed in this world. You know, all, all I do is cause trouble. The, the, wor- the world's not better because I'm here. Well, this is a, another, and you might not think of it this way, but this is an illustration of, of those two kingdoms clashing. Those, those thoughts, which are not true, by the way, are coming from the kingdom of darkness, deceiving you, trying to, to tell you lies. He is the father of lies. And, and what the Bible would tell us is that these are ideas that actually rise up against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is who you actually are. You are a son. You are a daughter. You were made in the image of Christ. You were made to bear his image. Now, what does that mean? To actually look like him. Not, not physically, you know, although maybe that, I don't know, you know. But it's like, we like to say, do the things that Jesus did. Like, our lives should be able to be molded and shaped so that as we go further into this life, we look more and more like Jesus. I wish I would have brought one up here. If you have an orange and you squeeze it, like, till all the juice comes out, am I going to expect apple juice to come out? Trace saying yes. Uh, maybe if I injected it. But, like, if something is what it is and you squeeze it, what it's made of comes out, right? This is what's supposed to be our reality for us as Christians. There's no promise, and this won't be a surprise to most of you, there's no promise that if you decide to be a Christian and try to live your life for Jesus, that things are going to be easy. I mean, that feels like a broken record. Like, no, because the further you try to move towards the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness is going to try. Like, it's not going to be easy. But the reality is it is possible in the kingdom of God 
to be so full of Christ that when life squeezes you, all that comes out is more Christ. All that comes out is more Jesus. When that thing, unexpected thing happens to you and you should, you know, head for your bed and crawl under the covers and not come out for three weeks. Now, no judgment. Like, I've, I've been places in my life where not only that's what I wanted to do, like, I've, I've done things like that. But what I'm trying to tell you is it's possible in the kingdom of God to be so shaped that the things that the enemy tries to use to bring against you will only bring out more Jesus. We cannot let our circumstances determine our identity. Because, you know, we don't have any control over our circumstances, right? Like, for the most part. In some cases, we have no ability to change them. But we can let him change us. Uh, I'm not a chess player. But I like to think of this illustration you know when we think about i mean because because the truth is the, the the devil is not really like actually equal competition for god like he, he has he has no chance like he he's not a he's not a rival of god it's it's not god versus the the devil because uh, that's like that's apples and oranges it's not it's not a it's not a fair comparison because the truth is he knows he's defeated like the only play he has left is to try to usurp, which just means to, to take through manipulation and deception the authority that we have. Like, he doesn't really have a lot on his own. But he'll, he'll try to deceive us and take what we've got to try to, to take us down the wrong path. Jesus wants to set all things to right. That also means opening your eyes to, to the game that's being played. And what, what can happen, I know this, this, for some of us, this, this is hard to, to grasp. But just ask you to just, just hold on to it. Just ask the Lord about it. But we can reach a point in our life where when bad things happen, we begin to understand how God can use terrible things to still move us towards his kingdom. Now, he doesn't come up with those things. You know, God's will fully expressed. In other words, if God got everything he wanted, and he eventually will, we, we wouldn't have to deal with those things. But we're still in the in-between. We're still in the tension, the battle. But what I'm saying is, those things that the enemy intends to cause us harm, like pieces on a chess, piece, on a chess uh, board, God can use that thing to still advance the kingdom, to still move us in that direction. And so this is what I think the Bible means when it says, you know, do you have trouble? Count it joy. Well, that doesn't mean be happy that something bad's happening. It means look beyond that. In the midst of the most difficult thing in your life, can you use your spiritual eyes and look, God, where are you working? What are you doing? Where how is your kingdom coming? even in spite of, in midst of, this horrible, terrible thing that I don't like. And just as I shared with you last week, 
Those circumstances are not always going to be removed. Sometimes he's going to take us around it. Sometimes he's going to remove it so we can keep going. And sometimes he's going to go with us through it. Because God's ultimate purpose is that idea of, of making you be more in his image. In other words, he wants to shape you. He, uh, one of our, uh, on, on the slide before church, you know, we had the little thing that just like has some statements about things. That, one of them is gospel transformation. What in the world? We think that even, we, we welcome everyone to, to come as they are. You know, in other words, you don't need to clean yourself up to come to the Vineyard Church. You, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to, well, I've got to get over my worst mistakes and put on my best clothes and, you know, pretend like I've got it all together because I tell you what, the rest of us don't. Like, in one sense, we're just a, a, a band of misfits trying to figure this out together. Like, so, so that's not the requirement. But we do believe that it's possible to be transformed. In other words, there's, there's more than what you're currently experiencing. And I can make that statement no matter where you're at on this journey because I don't think any of us have experienced all there is to experience of God and his kingdom. And so my, my purpose, if you will, today is very simple. We want his kingdom to come more than it did yesterday more than it did early this morning, more than it did five minutes ago. And we want to train ourselves to be looking for it, to be asking for it, to not let circumstances distract us from it. Because if you can begin to reach a place where the reality of the kingdom of God is more real to you than present circumstances, then you've already started to enter into to that ultimate victory that we'll experience when we are reunited with him in the next stage.